Purpose Trust A purpose trust is a type of trust which has no beneficiaries, but instead exists for advancing some non-charitable purpose of some kind. In most jurisdictions, such trusts are not enforceable outside of certain limited and anomalous exceptions, but some countries have enacted legislation specifically to promote the use of non-charitable purpose trusts. Trusts for charitable purposes are also technically purpose trusts, but they are usually referred to simply as charitable trusts. People referring to purpose trusts are usually taken to be referring to non-charitable purpose trusts. Trusts which fail the test of charitable status usually fail as non-charitable purpose trusts, although there are certain historical exceptions to this, and some countries have modified the law in this regard by statute. The court will not usually validate non-charitable purpose trusts which fail by treating them as a power. In IRC v. Broadway Cottages Trust, 1955, the English Court of Appeal held, I am not at liberty to validate this trust by treating it as a power. A valid power is not to be spelled out of an invalid trust. Conceptual Objections The basis for the general prohibition against non-charitable purpose trusts is usually phrased on one or more of several specific grounds. The Beneficiary Principle A trust is, at its root, an obligation, accordingly. Every trust must have a definite object. There must be someone in whose favor the court can decree performance. With a charitable trust, this power of enforcement is usually vested in the attorney general. However, such conceptual objections seem less strong since the decision of the House of Lords in MacPhail v. Dalton, 1971, where Lord Wilberforce rode roughshod over objections to widening the class of valid discretionary trusts on the basis that there would be difficulty ascertaining beneficiaries for the court to enforce the trust in favor of. Where the objects of a trust are a purpose rather than an individual or individuals, there is much greater risk that a trust would not be enforceable due to lack of certainty. Cases such as Morris v. Bishop of Durham, 1804 and re Astor, 1952, reaffirm the court's disinclination to enforce trusts that are not specific and detailed. It is noteworthy that the common law exceptions to the general prohibition on purposes trusts tend to relate to specific and detailed matters, such as maintenance of a specific tomb, or caring for a particular animal. Excessive Delegation of Testamentary Power Purpose trusts have been attacked conceptually on the basis that it would amount to the delegation of a testamentary power although subsequent cases have cast doubt on the correctness of that reasoning. Perpetuity Charitable purpose trusts are exempt from the rule against perpetuities. Private trusts are not. Accordingly, all non-charitable purposes trusts, to be valid, need to comply with the perpetuity rules in the relevant jurisdiction. Common law exceptions There are, nonetheless, several well-recognized exceptions at common law where non-charitable purposes trusts will be upheld tombs and monuments. Provisions for the building or maintenance of tombs or monuments have been upheld as a matter of common law, although solely on the basis of ancient precedent. In Re Hooper, 1932, a trust for the maintenance of graves was upheld, but the court indicated that it would not have done so had it not been bound by Peerbright v. Solway, 1896. Such trusts still need to comply with the requirement of certainty. Hence a bequest to a parish council for the purpose of providing some useful memorial to myself was struck down. Animals. Trusts for the care of specific animals have been upheld. In Redeen, 1889, North Jay upheld a trust for maintenance of horses and hounds for 50 years relying upon much older authorities and the monument cases. Quiz-closed trusts. Historically, quiz-closed trusts have sometimes been considered to be purpose trusts, 
but the modern view is that they are resulting trusts to the settler subject to a power to dispose of the assets in a predetermined fashion. Private Masses Private Masses, also known as prayers for the soul, was upheld to amount to a trust. Others In most academic textbooks, there are usually a swath of other purpose trusts or purported purpose trusts that are held up as a residual anomalous category. The most commonly cited example is Ree Thompson, 1934, where a gift to a friend of the testator for the promotion and furthering of fox hunting was upheld. It has been suggested academically that the case has been elevated to a position of importance which it does not merit. In Re Endicott, 1960, it was made clear that the existing exceptions at common law would not be extended, they were described as troublesome, anomalous and aberrant. Mistakes about the common law Paul B. W. Chaplin has argued in the book Purpose Trusts, Butterworth's 1999, that the courts took a wrong turn in the mid-20th century and ignored hundreds of previous years of judicial precedents in which purpose trusts of all kinds had been upheld as valid. He contends that the beneficiary principle has been misunderstood. His views have received support from Professor Jill Martin and others. Statutory Exceptions A number of offshore jurisdictions have enacted statutes which expressly validate non-charitable purpose trusts outside of the small group of specific exceptions recognized at common law. Some of the jurisdictions which have done so include the Bahamas, Bermuda, the British Virgin Islands and the Cayman Islands. Characteristically, in those jurisdictions a non-charitable purpose trust requires a written trust instrument and the trust instrument must specify a protector or enforcer who will have locus standi to enforce the terms of the trust against the trustees. This role is created to address the concerns expressed by the courts as to how the courts would have power to control the trustees. However, no real steps have been taken in any of those jurisdictions to address the fundamental conceptual issues of where the beneficial title to the trust assets should be regarded as residing whilst they form part of the trust fund. Arguably, if no other person is regarded as having a beneficial claim to the assets, they would be regarded as being owned solely by the trustees, which could have disastrous tax implications for the trustees. In the United States, in 2015, the Nevada legislature adopted legislation that now permits a public benefits trust, which is defined as a trust that is not a charitable trust but that is established to further one or more specifically declared religious, scientific, literary, educational, community development, personal improvement or philanthropic purposes. Unincorporated Associations Special problems arise in connection with the holding of property by unincorporated associations of persons. Whereas a company has separate legal personality and can hold property, with certain statutory exceptions, unincorporated associations of persons cannot. Accordingly, where an unincorporated association is formed for a non-charitable purpose, which is most often the case, a gift to an unincorporated association can fail as an invalid purpose trust. However, the courts have usually tried to avoid such a result by construing the gift as a gift to the members of the unincorporated association. The difficulty is that such a gift would then have to be construed as a distributive gift to the individual members, rather than a purposive gift for the objects of the unincorporated association. In Re-Reachers Will Trust, 1972, a more purposive approach was taken, and Brightman J. held that a gift to the London and Provincial Anti-Vivisection Society was to be construed as a beneficial gift in favor of the members, not so as to entitle them to an immediate distributive share but as an accretion to the funds of the society subject to the contract of the members as set out in the rules. Further, it was held that such a construction would be possible whether the society was inward-looking, for example existed to promote the interests of its members, or outward-looking, 
for example existed to promote some external cause or purpose. Life Insurance Trust A life insurance trust is an irrevocable, non-amendable trust which is both the owner and beneficiary of one or more life insurance policies. Upon the death of the insured, the trustee invests the insurance proceeds and administers the trust for one or more beneficiaries. If the trust owns insurance on the life of a married person, the non-insured spouse and children are often beneficiaries of the insurance trust. If the trust owns second-to-die or survivorship insurance which only pays when both spouses are deceased, only the children would be beneficiaries of the insurance trust. In the United States, proper ownership of life insurance is important if the insurance proceeds are to escape federal estate taxation. If the policy is owned by the insured, the proceeds will be subject to estate tax. This assumes that the aggregate value of the estate plus the life insurance is large enough to be subject to estate taxes. To avoid estate taxation, some insureds name a child, spouse or other beneficiary as the owner of the policy. There are drawbacks to having insurance proceeds paid outright to a child, spouse, or other beneficiary. Doing so may be inconsistent with the insured's wishes or the best interests of the beneficiary, who might be a minor or lacking in financial sophistication, and unable to invest the proceeds wisely. The insurance proceeds will be included in the beneficiary's taxable estate at his or her subsequent death. If the proceeds are used to pay the insured's estate taxes, it would at first appear that the proceeds could not be on hand to be taxed at the beneficiary's subsequent death. However, using insurance proceeds to pay the insured's estate taxes effectively increases the beneficiary's estate since the beneficiary will not have to sell inherited assets to pay such taxes. The solution to both drawbacks is usually an irrevocable life insurance trust. If possible, the trustee of the insurance trust should be the original applicant and owner of the insurance. If the insured transfers an existing policy to the insurance trust, the transfer will be recognized by the Internal Revenue Service only if the insured survives the date of the transfer by not less than three years. If the insured dies within this three-year period, the transfer will be ignored and the proceeds will be included in the insured's taxable estate. Insurance trusts may be funded or non-funded. A funded life insurance trust owns both one or more insurance contracts and income-producing assets. The income from the assets is used to pay some or all of the premiums. Funded insurance trusts are not commonly used for two reasons. 1. The additional gift tax cost of transferring income-producing assets to the trust, and 2. The grantor trust rules of IRC Section 677A3 cause the grantor to be taxed on the trust's income. Unfunded insurance trusts own one or more insurance policies and are funded by annual gifts from the grantor. Customarily, the trustee of the insurance trust is authorized, but not required, to either purchase assets from the insured's estate or lend insurance proceeds to his or her estate. Since the trustee of the insurance trust possesses all incidents of ownership in the insurance policy, the insurance trust provides the insured's estate with liquidity while shielding the insurance proceeds or assets purchased with the proceeds from estate tax when the insured dies, provided the trust has the appropriate settler and trustee. Usually, people set up insurance trusts for the few reasons as seen below. 1. Control the distributions. 2. Pay off liabilities. 3. Take care of themselves. 4. Ensure the minor will be able to receive the money. 5. To name substitute beneficiaries. 6. To benefit non-trust nominees.